chatty this morning. It's a chatty morning here. That's good. Let's take that chatty energy and uh, turn it into singing to God here. We're going to have a couple offerings coming by. Again, if you are a guest, go ahead and feel free to let that pass. Right now, I just challenge you guys to, uh, in the madness of our weeks and the craziness of life, spring break coming, that right now we stop and we're able to focus on our Savior. And as we talked about last week, just being able to let go of that shame and all the stuff that keeps us back, that stuff keeps us back from worshiping as well. That keeps us back from being able to connect with our God. And so as you come here this morning, kind of let go of all that stuff that's just been hanging over you and allow yourself to to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to worship a God who is greater than anything, uh, a God who has saved us. And that's what we're praising this morning. Jesus, just thank you so much for bringing us here this morning, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that we'd be able to focus our hearts on you now, Lord, and that you would, uh, you would connect with each of us, Father, and that you would help us to be able to, to be able to let go of all this other stuff that, that keeps us from being able to see you, Lord Jesus. And so I pray if there's those here today that really need to hear something that will help them work through some strongholds in their life, some issues in their life. Maybe there's people here, Lord, today that don't know who you are, Lord Jesus. And so I just pray, Father, that this morning uh, would be a powerful morning for all here, Lord Jesus. And we praise you for all you do for us in your name. Amen. great and you're big enough you're big enough amen you guys can sit down I gotta be honest with you I'm, I'm not okay. And there's a lot of people that I love that are not okay. And Satan is evil. And we're not okay. We just gotta pray. Let's just pray. Father. We're not okay. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fight for us. Because we're weak. We are weak. We are weak.
insufficient and I'm incapable. But we just saying, you love even me. Even me. Even me. So God, I just beg, I beg that as we, as we surrender our hearts to you and as we give up trying to, to even be close to okay, as we stop lying to ourselves, as we stop listening to the lies of the devil, that you're okay on your own, we're not okay. I'm not okay. God, too many people that I love are suffering and hurting, and they're trying to be okay, but they're not And so we worship in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we worship in the name of Jesus Christ, you fight our battles for us. You rout our enemies. You throw stones down from heaven. So we don't have to fight. We just have to stand on the hillside and watch. Because, God, you are so much bigger. And yet you care about every detail of my life. So, God, I am here this morning with arms out, surrendered to you and saying I'm not okay. But because of Jesus, I know that you fight for me. Because of Jesus, I know that you have made me okay. But God, it hurts. Life hurts. So meet us where we're at. Because only in Jesus, only in Jesus are we okay. We need you, God. We need you. Amen. Partly I just... Just overwhelmed with a lot of things going on in life right now, but this morning, bear with me because I got a lot of stuff to cover in a short period of time. So the first thing that I'm going to do, and up till last night, this was a surprise um, to Naomi, but Gary and Naomi Hillesheim are going to come on up here. You guys can come on up here. Bring the whole family. You guys can come up. They, uh, Gary has a pretty crazy work schedule, and they were not able to uh, be at our baby dedication, so he asked me, hey, the next time that I can get off, which is probably last minute, can we, uh, can we do this? Um, so I want to, uh, to read the passage that we read on that morning uh, for you guys. This is from Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And then it goes down in verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And so... With a loud voice, Gary, tell us who you guys are and who you're dedicating this morning. Uh, we are the Hillsheims, my wife and I, and Gary, Sophia, who's our wife, and 
Very cool. Um, we know, and this is just a good reminder for us as a church, is that this is really more for the parents than it is for Ariana. Ariana. Um, because we get to hold them accountable to raising their kids, and we talked about that week, some, we are the bow, and we release our kids. We have to release our kids someday. Um, and so the best thing that we can possibly do for our kids, and I will drive this home, the best thing that we can possibly do for our kids is pray, 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 pray like crazy. Because someday, someday you have to let that arrow go. Um, and so I want everybody just to stand up, and we are going to pray a prayer of dedication over them um, to our God, because we know that uh, parenting is one of the hardest things on the planet. Um, it, uh, it can bring us joy. It can bring us anger. I never knew how angry of a person I was until I had kids. But I, at the same time, I never knew how much I could love a human being until I had kids too. So, um, so we're going to pray this over them. I want everybody to just raise their hand up as a, just a prayer of dedication to them and just strength from the Lord um, on Gary and Naomi. God, we, we dedicate as a church today to stand with Gary and Naomi as they seek to build a home that is built on you. That they let you build their home, God. That they let you build their own lives. That they let you um, build their kids' lives, God. That they trust you enough to take care of their kids. God, and I pray that that plays out in the fact that they pray hard for their children. God, let this be a reminder to the rest of us to pray hard for our kids. To trust you with our kids' lives, God. And we um, dedicate to, to, to support and cry with, and laugh with, and be joyful with the Hillishimes as they raise their kids to love Jesus, and to love people, and to fear God, because that is the chief end of man, is to fear God. We love you, we need you, we dedicate them to you. Um, God, you are a big God, and we thank you for Jesus and our salvation. In Jesus' name, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for doing this today. That's awesome. Occupying your street, we've talked a lot about it this year. How are you guys doing? How are you doing occupying your street? Your street is not just the street that you live on. Your street is where you work. Uh, your street is every place that you go on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. How are you doing occupying that street? Occupy it with the gospel because we know that people need the love of Jesus. Um, and so we need to be encouraged by each other. We need to be uplifted by each other's stories and what God is doing in your life. We want to know. So again, email your stories. Whatever God is doing through you or through somebody you know, email those stories to storiesfrommystreet, storiesfrommystreet at creeksidedm.com. I decided to make it the longest possible name I could think of just to confuse you, but it made sense to me, stories from my street at creeksidedm.com. Tonight you have a great opportunity. It's not too late to invite somebody to Harvest America. Okay, tonight, one thing you can be sure of is that whoever you invite, whoever is in this room tonight is going to hear the gospel. They are going to know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves them and that Jesus died for them and that's how they come to salvation. You can count on that. So it's not too late to invite somebody tonight. It starts at 6 o'clock. One thing is, we have no idea how many people are going to be here, but we are believing God for big things. And so, if this room fills up, 
Okay, if this room fills up, one thing we would ask of you, if you are physically capable, is to go up to the balcony first. Don't make our guests go up to the balcony. You guys serve them, and you go up to the balcony, or help us set chairs up in the back and all that stuff. We decided that about halfway back through that room, you can still see the screen. Um, So, if you're going to be here, be on, okay? This is how you can be praying today. God, give me courage to talk to somebody who needs to be talked to tonight, okay? Because we know there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of people who need Jesus to rescue them and free them, and they could be here tonight. So we need you to be on, okay? It doesn't mean that you give up your pain and suffering, it just means you come as you are and ask God to use you as you are. You get what I'm saying? So that's a good good opportunity tonight. If you look on your, if you look on your, uh, your seat, okay, everybody hold this up, hold this up. This is an Easter egg hunt invitation. Last year we had over 300 people packed in this room before our Easter egg hunt. They heard the gospel. That's another thing, that if you invite somebody to the Easter egg hunt, you can be sure that they are going to hear the gospel of Jesus. They are going to hear how they can have freedom in the name of Jesus. Okay, you can also ensure that they're going to have fun. We're going to fill this room with as many people as we possibly can. Last year we had close to 200 kids go out on this Easter egg hunt and over 300 people filling this room. All right? We're going to worship together. We're going to sing songs together. We're going to have a lot of fun together. Kids are going to get Bibles. We're going to do all all, whole sorts of things. But the main point of it is, is that they will hear the gospel and that they will have all of you to love on them. All right? So we're going to do that together. March 26th um, is our Easter egg hunt. We want you to, to be there. And we want you to invite people. So if there's an empty seat next to you, Take that invite as well. You can come up to the front row because nobody ever sits in the front row. Thank you, Jeff, for being here in the front row. But take the ones in the front row, too, if you want to invite some more people. Um, I'm going to do something here for you right now. See this? This is not a prop for my message. This is uh, something that we're going to do with our Sunday school program. We're going to start making some changes in how you check in and check out your kids, okay? I call Sunday school one of those first 15 ministries, okay? Because for a while in our church, everybody knew everybody. But now I see people walking around. I'm like, I don't know who they are, and I don't know who those kids are. I see kids every single week walking around where I'm like, I I don't know who those kids are, and I don't know who they belong to. That's probably to my shame um, because I'm terrible with names. But um, this is happening, and we are growing. So God is blessing this church, okay, and we're growing. I call it a first 15 ministry because if you have kids, raise your hand in this room right now if you have kids in Sunday school. Okay, if you have kids and it's your first time walking into a church, all right, the first 15 minutes of your experience in that church is going to determine whether you're willing to give that a try or not again, okay, If you walk in and you check your kids in and you are not given absolute confidence that they're going to take care of your kids, boom. I don't care how good the sermon is, I'm out, right? Because I care about my kids, okay? So one thing we are going to change is how you check in and check out your kids. Here's how it's going to work. First of all, everybody that already has existing kids in Sunday school, take a look at this. You can see it on the screen. I don't expect you to read everything that's on there. But this is a, uh, we're going to start a file on every single child that we have, okay? We're going to know what the kids are allergic to. We're going to know their date of birth. We're going to know your phone number. 
Uh, we're going to know how to contact you in, the, in case of an emergency. But we need one of these filled out for every single child in Sunday school. So at this point, nobody has filled one of these out. So that includes everybody in the room that has a kid in Sunday school needs to fill one of these out. There's a couple ways that you can do that. Out on um, the bulletin board table in the hub, there is a stack of these, okay? So you can take one fill it out and put it in the basket right next to that if you just want to get it out of the way today. If not, you can take one with you and you can bring it home, bring it back and pass it in to the teacher uh, when you check your kid into Sunday school next week or you can just wait until next week and fill it out when you, when you uh, sign your kid in to Sunday school. Here's how sign in is going to work. Every single week from this point on when you show up next week, even if you're in the second to fifth grade class, this happens for you. Let me tell you a story before I tell you the necessity of this. Last week, I, who never check my kids into Sunday school because I always have something to do, but occasionally I, I'm not leading worship and I'm not preaching. Last week was one of those weeks, so I came to church with my wife, right? And so I, uh, I got here and I immediately had some things to do, so I took Ivy and, um, and Margo down to Ivy Sunday school class, and I said, hey, you guys are good here, this is, you guys play, I will be back in like 10 minutes to check you into your Sunday school classes. I forgot, right, I completely forgot, Margo is not in Ivy Sunday school class, all right, halfway through the service, I'm sitting over here, and I turn to Heather, I'm like, I, uh... Ivy is in with Margot, and I did not go back and switch them, right? Now, if I had to do this, that wouldn't happen, right? It's okay. She lived, right? She's alive. But I feel kind of stupid being the guy who's telling you that this is going to happen, and I did that, okay? Chief of all sinners here. So I am the reason why we have to make this happen. So every time you check in, I'm taking too long here, but every time you check in, your kids, you're going to have a sheet that says one, the child's name. You're going to put your child's name there. And then it's going to say the parent's name. You're going to, that's you. You're going to put the parent's name. And then it says band number. Okay. There will be one of these beauties on every wall when you go in to check your kid in to Sunday school. Okay. It does not matter which number you take, but you are going to take a bracelet. It's going to have a number on it. Okay. You will take that bracelet off. You will check the number. Say it's number 12. And I would put Iverly, parent Nick. Band number 12. Boom. I'm good. Next to that is going to be uh, pull-off name tags, and I'm going to put Iverly number 12. I'm going to take that sticker and put it on her back. Okay? It's that simple. Now, I have my key to get my child back. You don't have one of these? We own your child from now on. All right? You do not get your child back. It's ours. He's ours. She's ours. Okay? If you want your kid back... You return our stuff to us, okay? We paid like two cents for each of these. We want it back, all right? Oh, oh yeah. This is not, uh, we will call DHS. This is not free babysitting, all right? It'll happen. I'm telling, I just shot myself in the foot with that one, all right? So you will take this. Hey, Nick, what if I have four kids, five kids? You're crazy. Moving on. No, if you have four kids, you do not need to get four of these, okay? What I would do, if I ever checked my kids into Sunday school, would be I would go to the first class, I would get number 12 for Ivy. Boom, I would move on, say, the rest of you, let's go to your class. The next one, I have number 12 for Ivy, so guess what? I can just have one band, 
and I can use number 12 for, for Margot. I can use number 12 for Micaiah. I can use number 12 for Judah. And then I have to go back and with the same bracelet, get all my kids back. And at the last place, okay, if I have kids at one, I say, hey, I, I, have, I have Ivy back. I need to go pick up the rest of my kids. They'll let you keep your bracelet. You go pick up the rest of your kids. And at the last place, you return your bracelet. And then you mark band returned, okay? It's as simple as that. You just leave the band back on the hook at the last place you go, and you get all your kids back. Now, Vance Hahn picks up Ivy every single week, okay? And she loves that because he gives her Skittles, all right? This is not going to happen anymore unless, okay, from me to the new person, Vance is not allowed to pick up Ivy anymore unless I have number 12 and I give this bracelet to Vance and say, hey, Vance, can you go fill my child with junk food? And he'll say, sure, I will. I will go get your kid, okay? The only way you get your kid back is how? With the bracelet. Thank you very much. Okay, so anything else, Connie? Did I miss anything? All right, we're going to do our best with this, and you need to hang in there with us, okay? We're not going to perfect it the first week, but we're going to do our best, okay? Moving on. We're going to be in Psalm 19 this morning, so you can turn there. It's on page 458 in my Bible. It's like kind of right in the middle. It'll be on the screen too um, if you need there. But when I read this passage, I'm convinced for myself and for a lot of people in the room that we need regular reminders of how big God is. We need to be reminded of how worthy God is of our praise. We need to be reminded that God is to be honored, respected, revered, and feared. And when I use the word fear this morning, when I say fear God, here's what I mean. That we have a reverent respect for his holiness. What does it mean for God to be holy? It means that he is in every way perfect. I think we need to be reminded of that. I know I need to be reminded of that. But what we also need to be reminded of is in light of how big God is, how special we are to him. Too many people, including myself, suffer probably on a daily basis at some point in your day you suffer from an identity crisis. I told Heather this morning, every Sunday morning when I wake up, that's when Satan attacks the hardest. That moment in my week when I open my eyes on Sunday morning is the single worst moment of my week. Why? I hope it's because Satan's threatened by what's about to happen here on a Sunday morning. And he wants nothing more than to, than to toss me off course, than to shove me off course. So I wake up, and especially this morning, I woke up, and the first thing that popped into my head is you aren't good enough. You don't have what it takes. You're, you are incapable. You're too much of a sinner. You don't love your wife enough. You don't pursue your wife enough. You don't love your kids enough. You care about other things more than them. Lies, lies, 
lies, lies. And then some of the things are probably from God to say, hey, Nick, like, maybe your life's out of balance a little bit. You need to work on some things, right? I don't doubt that. But Satan capitalizes on those things that we struggle with to to thrust us into identity crisis. But here's the deal, and here's what I want you to get this morning, is that the only voice you should ever listen to is the creator of the universe. The only voice that should ever matter for your worth as a person is the voice of God. And I want to prove that to you this morning. Two questions that Heather, my wife, uh, tells me I should ask myself all the time is one Today, how do I see God? How do I see God? And two, how do I believe that God sees me? Because if either of those are wrong, if my view of what Scripture says God is, is wrong, my identity is going to be messed up, right? Or, number two, is if my view of how God sees me is messed up, then my identity is going to be messed up. So let's read Psalm 19. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to do the second half in a little while. Listen to this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice, that's creation, the universe, the heavens, their voice goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man running its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. I want you to remember this. Write this down if you write stuff down, if you're a writer, okay? Write this down, text it to yourself, whatever you have to do to remember this. But God's vastness reveals to us God's power to take care over the little details of our lives. God's vastness shows us, reveals to us God's power to take care over the little details of our lives. Because most of us probably on a weekly basis would have to say, I reach some point in my week when I feel absolutely alone. Anybody with me on that? When you just get to a point in your day, in your week, where you just feel alone. Like there's no one on earth that even cares what you're going through right now, let alone that God could possibly love you, see you, or even care about you. I want to show you something, though. I want to prove to you that that could not be further from the truth. Because when you are in your lowest moments, God cares 
about the little details of your life. And the truth is, is when you're in your joyful moments, when you're in your best moments, when you think you have life all together and everything is going great, the temptation is to stop trusting God because you're awesome. Well, guess what? Nobody's that awesome. But there's freedom in that. Because I know that in my high points and in my low points, God couldn't love me any more than he already does right now when I'm doing awesome in life. And God could not love me any more or any less than he does right now when I'm at my lowest point. God always feels the same about me no matter what my situation in life is. And here's what he feels about you. I love you enough. To give up my own son so that you can be with me in eternity. Guess what? I love you all a lot. Some of you, the verdict's still out on that. But, no, I love you guys a lot. I'm never going to give up my son for you. It's not going to happen. I want to show you this video. You're going to watch the video. We're going to stop it. At certain points, as the video goes along, if you've ever seen, raise your hand if you've seen How Great Is Our God from Louis Giglio. Raise your hand. Okay. You're going to think I stole some of this from him. I did. Okay. Go ahead. Play that video. I want you to watch this. This is everything in the Milky Way galaxy right now. We've hit our moon, Mercury, Mars, Venus. We're going from small to big, if you couldn't tell. And here's our Earth. Okay, we're going to stop it right there for a second. I want you to picture this. Everybody see this golf ball? This golf ball belongs to JJ, and it came from some golf course somewhere in the United States that my father-in-law probably fished out of a, a, some piece of water somewhere. Um, it wasn't his ball that he was fishing out. It was somebody else's, obviously. He never hits it in the water. Um, this, for all intents and purposes, from this point on, this is the earth, okay? The earth, what you see right now, this is the earth. If the earth were a golf ball. Now, find yourself on this. You see yourself? Let's keep going. The next smallest, I'll say, planet in our solar system is that much bigger than Earth. And then we say, see Saturn without its rings, obviously, because this is pure simulation. But it's accurate. So Earth is about fading away into the distance now. Jupiter is the largest known planet in our galaxy, the Milky Way. And then we go outside of the Milky Way. This is, no, I mean, our sun. Stop it there. Here's our sun. I did not know, okay, I wasn't really all that academic, but I didn't know, just to my shame, that the sun <laughs> was that much bigger 
that I didn't know that the sun was bigger than all the planets in our, in our galaxy until like two days ago when I started doing this. So anyway, the sun, that's our sun, okay? I want you to, to know this about our sun. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. I didn't do anything for you. Okay. The, the earth, the earth were a golf ball. The sun would be 15 feet in diameter. Okay? I am six feet tall. Okay? Simon, how tall are you? Six six. Simon six six. This is like this golf ball next to Simon and then another Simon on top of that, plus a little more. Okay? The earth were a golf ball. The sun is 15 feet in diameter, okay? Listen to this. You could fit 960,000 earths inside the sun. That's almost enough golf balls to fill an entire school bus with no air left. Okay, that's how big our sun is. Let's keep going. Now beyond the sun, we go outside of the Milky Way galaxy. Everything you, you see from this point on, these are stars. These are not planets. These are stars that are that much bigger. The Earth is gone. The Earth is gone. You can't even see the Earth anymore. Arcturus. These are all... Proofs that have been made through the Hubble telescope. This is as far out as the Hubble telescope has discovered for us. And as you see how big our universe is, remember that this is only what we can see with our own technology. The Earth is a distant thought by now. These are stars outside of the Milky Way galaxy that have been discovered by the Hubble telescope. Betelgeuse, we're going to pause right there. This is Betelgeuse or Betelgeese as Mike uh, told me this morning. All right. Betelgeuse, I'm going to call it Betelgeuse because that's cooler, is 427 light years away from the earth. Okay, get this. That is 426 times 5.88 trillion miles away. Betelgeuse is twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. Okay, this is not doing anything for you. You know why? Because this is more than your brain can handle, okay? I'm telling you, this is just a bunch of zeros to us, but this is how big this is. If the earth were a golf ball, first of all, you see yourself on that? If the earth were a golf ball, Betelgeuse would be the height of six Empire State Buildings stacked end-to-end -end on top of each other. You got that in your head? Golf ball next to the Empire State Building one time blows my mind. 
six times stacked on top of each other. That's how big Beetlejuice is. Anybody want to guess how many of these you could fit inside of that? I'll tell you. 262 trillion Earths would fit inside of Beetlejuice. That's enough golf balls to fill the Superdome. 3,000 times. You get that? God is really big. Let's keep going. There are yet bigger stars than Beetlejuice. Musifi. And Canis Majoris. We're going to stop right here. We're going to stop right here. Canis Majoris is to date the biggest star that we have ever discovered with the, the Hubble telescope. Now I want you to remember, before I tell you how big Canis Majoris is, is that this is only as far as human technology has been able to see. And you can bet the universe is so much bigger than what God would ever allow man to see. You remember the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament? Maybe you don't, but this was a tower that man undertook to build to the, to the heavens. And God said, that ain't happening. So he went down and he confused the language of all the people trying to build this tower and he spread them across the face of the earth. Okay? So I guarantee you that God is not going to allow us to ever be able to see to the ends of the universe because that's how big he is. That doesn't make him a tyrant. <laughs> You're going to see why in a second, but get this. Canis Majoris has a diameter of 2 billion, 8 million kilometers in diameter. Our sun, you see how much bigger the sun? Earth, 960,000 earths inside the sun. Okay, the sun's diameter is only 1,391,000 kilometers. I said that Canis Majoris was 2,800,000,000. Okay, <laughs> that's how much bigger it is than the sun. If the earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the size of Mount Everest. That is almost six miles above sea level. You could fit... Seven, this is just going to be a bunch of zeros to you. But you could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside of Canis Majoris. That's enough golf balls to be able to fill the state of Texas. Okay? Besides Alaska, te Texas is the biggest state in the U.S. Okay? Just so you know. Every... Every, every single inch of open space on the surface of Texas, okay? This is, that's enough golf balls to fill the state of Texas with golf balls 22 inches deep. Now, find the one that's Earth and find yourself on it. God is so amazingly bigger than my brain could ever fathom. 
and I am so small. Even when sometimes I think I'm so big. I am so small, but here's the deal. God did not create the vastness of this universe to tell me how small I was. He made the universe that big so that all humanity and all creation everywhere and anywhere would be able to look out at what we see and what we have discovered and be able to glory in the name of our almighty God. That's why he made it that big. He made it so big so that we would be compelled to glory in him. He made it so big, not that I would feel so small, but that I would feel so confident that that is the God that I belong to. That that is the God that I serve. That that is the God. That even though he transcends everything that I am, even though that he is so much bigger than my finite brain could ever imagine, he desires, he longs for, he thirsts for an intimate love relationship with me. That's who I call Abba Father, which literally means Daddy. When everything else on earth stinks, when life is not going the way that I want to, when my relationships on earth hurt, that's my Father. That's who I serve. Psalm 8, 3 through 6 says this, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, I feel so small and unwanted. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. It says, when I look at the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, this is my response. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? That's how I feel. Yet, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Everything that that big God that we serve has created the entire vastness of the universe. God spoke it and it became. God spoke and out of his mouth were created everything that we now know and see that is tangible. And then what did he do after he created that? He put a man on earth and he brought all the animals to that man to be named. <laughs> this is a relational God. This God wants relationship with me. I remember a message that Tim spoke a couple years ago, and I th I'm pretty sure that the, the, uh, the title of that message was Project Stand in Awe, or at least that's what I got out of it, okay? Project Stand in Awe. The point is that most of us do not go through our day and stand in awe at the things that we see. The call for that message was to take time during that week to stop long enough to look out at creation and stand in awe of our Creator God. Psalm 19 takes a turn halfway through 
It talks about how big God is and the heavens declare the glory of God and how God and how big he is can be revealed to us through the vastness of the universe. And then it goes from talking all about that to talking about his law. And that's when most of us turn off because we say, oh, no, I thought that Jesus set us free from having to follow the law. I thought that Jesus um, said that the law is not a good thing. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that the law is perfect, that the law is good, and that the only way to be saved is to follow the law perfectly. But guess what? None of us, no human being ever will ever be able to do that. And so Jesus came and he died for us. You know how freeing that is? We filmed for the preacher in the gym guy yesterday, Javier, me and Heather, up here. And one of the things we talked about is how freeing it is that you can't save yourself. Because if you could save yourself, you know what you would do for the rest of your life? You would try really hard. And then you would be wondering every day of your life, is this going to be enough? There are religions in this world that teach that. You do good enough and you'll get saved. And you'll be with God forever. Imagine that being your life. Imagine trying, 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 trying. And then only being able to hope that what you have done was good enough for God. There is no freedom in that. So Jesus says, stop trying. Because I took care of it for you. And you don't have to try anymore. You have to stop working. And you get to step back and watch from the hillside as God fights for you. As God wins the battle for you. Let's pick it up. And trust me, the second half is not going to take as long as the first half. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. I love this last verse because it it takes it all and wraps it all together. It's almost like, God, as you reveal to me how great you are and how big you are and how vast you are. And then you give me the right way to live. This is what I want to consume myself with. His prayer right now, this prayer of David, he says, Let the words of my mouth, this is what it comes down to, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We go through these things and we look at these tangible things, law, his testimony, his precepts, his precepts, his commands. These are all things that we can read, we can look at, we can see in the Bible what he says they are. The law revives the soul, his testimony makes the simple wise. His precepts cause us to rejoice. His commands enlighten our eyes to truth. You notice 
that you can read and see what those things are and what they mean and what we should do and how we should live. But the one thing that is intangible is the fear of the Lord. My wife pointed this out to me this week. The fear of the Lord is the only thing in that list that is intangible. Why? Remember, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, it's a healthy, reverent respect and an honor for the holiness of God, the perfection of God. The fear of the Lord, that kind of honor and respect and reverence for the holiness of God comes from a love for all those other things. It comes from a fact, the fact that everything that I desire in life is right here. It can be found in the words of God to us. His law is to be, it says, more desired than gold. It is sweeter than honey. In keeping his law, there is great reward. I want to read something to you from Matthew 13. Just two verses, 44 through 46, three verses. Verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. Then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought the field. You get, that, you get what that's saying? It's saying that there is nothing that I could ever pursue in this life on this earth that could be more valuable than pursuing with all that I am the kingdom of God. And what proves that? Here's the proof. When I am willing to abandon everything else for a single-minded, wholehearted pursuit of the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean don't live your life. It doesn't mean don't do things that you want to do. It doesn't mean don't pursue the things that God has put on your heart to pursue. It that means that as you do that, you do it with a single-hearted mission to what? pursue the kingdom of God within it. It will cause you to occupy your street with the gospel. It will cause you to seek God in the deepest, darkest parts of your life. The band is going to come back up and we're going to continue to worship together as we take communion, but I want you to listen to this. God is huge. We saw that. He is beyond our ability as human beings to fathom He transcends us, he is above us, but he also so loved us personally and intimately that he gave his word and he sent his only son, Jesus, so that we could truly live in relationship with that all-powerful God. John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world, get that, okay, we missed that word so. For God, that's, that, that word so right there is a powerful word. Because we, we, we hear that word, especially if you've been in church for a long time, you hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Okay, that's like one of the first verses that our kids learn in Awana. And we miss that word, so. For God, that's how much he loved you. For God so loved you. How much would it take for you to sacrifice your son for anybody else in this room? It's not happening. But for God so loved you that he gave his only son to die for you. It's that worth it. Now, I want to show you something. When we think about how big God is and we think about how vast God is and we could think, how could a God like that ever care about the details of my everyday life? Why would I bother him with these things? Why would I pray? Why would I think that he would help me? He's got much bigger things to manage, like the universe, than my own little issues. Well, they took the Hubble telescope and they threw it out as far as they could into space. And it took a picture as far out into space as it could possibly take. And what it took a picture of was a black hole. Okay? Now remember, this is a really, really big God. But when I think about this big God, I think, why would a God like that want a guy like me? And when they sent that picture out and saw this black hole into the vastness, as far as we can see into the universe, they looked at the picture that the Hubble telescope sent back, and this is what they saw. That every single part of what God has created and what God has done points to the glory of the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you see how personal God is in even the way that he fabricated and built the universe? The vastness of God and the personal relationship with me that he wants through the cross of Jesus Christ are all pictured in this one picture. He's saying that everything that I have created, that everything that I have ever loved, nothing is more important than the fact that Jesus died for you. Than the fact that Jesus wants you. So we're going to worship together and Jesus himself gave us the bread and the juice to remember him by. God is so big, and yet he cares about every intimate detail of your life. So there's two tables up here. There's one in the back for you to go to and just worship. And as you worship, pray that God fights for you. Let's pray. God, you are so big, and yet you care about every single little detail of my life. And so, God, that gives me confidence to come boldly to your throne of grace and to worship you for who you are, that you sent your only son, Jesus, so that I could have personal relationship with the creator of the universe. So God, reach down into who we are right now, how we are right now, whatever is going on in life, God, I pray for healing through the name of Jesus for every soul in this room. We love you, God, and we need you. And we worship you now in the name of Jesus. Amen.
thank you for loving us first. God, with arms wide and surrendered to you, we want to proclaim our love to you, Father. I pray for every soul in this room right now, um, God, that they would come to you with their, with their stuff, God, and know that you can redeem that through Jesus. And I pray uh, for healing on the hurt hearts here this morning, Father, that you uh, can heal, that you are the healer, that you are redeemer, and that you care about us, God. So we are in your hands. We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have kids in Sunday school, you need to go get them, but uh, for the rest, we are going to sing one more song and just worship together. Um, and uh, we will be up here up front. And if you need prayer, uh, please come and be prayed for. Um, find somebody to pray with. Um, go to the Almighty Creator with all of your stuff, and He will redeem it in the name of Jesus because of the cross of Christ. So confess your, your sin and, your, and the things that you have today to God in the name of Jesus, and He will heal you. Let's sing together.